I'm delighted to welcome Ian Burnside, a professor in the Vocal Studies and Keyboard Departments at the school, who has written and is directing Journeying Boys, a new play which opens in the new Milton Court Theatre on 8th of November. So welcome, Ian. Thank you. Um, This is one of a series of plays you've directed at the school over the years, which fuses music and theatre. But this one is a bit different in that it was developed in association with the Royal College of Music. Indeed. um, And was performed there earlier this year. So can you tell us a bit about how that came about? Sure, well, um, the Royal College uh, have Benjamin Britten as one of their old boys, and so as part of the, the because of, of the Britten centenary, they wanted to push the boat out a bit. So their head of vocal studies, Nick Sears, who's an old mate of mine, indeed a Guildhall alum, uh, uh, invited me over for lunch and uh, said, look, um, we'd like to uh, ask you to put on something based on Les Illuminations, the Benjamin Britten song cycle, with poems by the French poet Arthur Rimbaud. And he said, I think you could do something quite interesting, comparing Britten and Rimbaud and their trajectories, and what was it about Rimbaud that drew Britten to um, set them in the song, then you can dramatise this. And um, I, at the time I thought, oh my God, that's a crazy idea, you must be off your head. Uh, avoid, avoid, avoid. What, uh, what a nightmare. No, couldn't possibly do that. But uh, over lunch, he sort of said, well, think about it, go away and think about it, and, you know, maybe... And, and I began to see that actually it maybe wasn't as crazy as he <laughs> as I'd first thought. So um, we talked about it, and one thing led to another, and, yeah, so I, I put this piece together, and we cast it at the college, and uh, then we talked about how, how it would work and that it would transfer here later. So um, all the, 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 the work that I've done, these productions that I've done at the Guildhall, our wonderful principal has always been very kind and bought into the idea that they have to be in two phases, that you have to do it once to see what's wrong with it and fix things and make it better. You can't get it right automatically the first time. And by the time you see what's wrong with it the first time, it's too late to fix for that time round. So um, we did it at the college, and that was super, and they made me very welcome and had a lovely time there. And then came back, and we've customised it a bit. I firstly changed things to make the actual piece better, I hope, but I've also customised it a bit towards Guildhall Resources. Um, I also sat down with Linny and Armin in our own vocal department, and they were very keen to involve as many people as possible. So we did a much larger cast this time around, because at the college we did multiple casting. Everyone played two or three different parts, uh, which was fine, and it worked in its own way, though lots of audience members weren't sure what on earth was happening. So this way, it's to make it a bit more uh, narratively clear, but also to give more people bites at the dramatic cherry. So there's quite a few changes, actually. The whole balance of the piece is a bit different. And you mentioned that this um, piece focuses on focuses on Britain and the poet Arthur Rimbaud. It's The show is part of Barbican Britain, which yeah. is the Barbican celebration of Benjamin Britten's work over a fortnight. Um, what is it that fascinates you about the journeys that Rimbaud and Britten took? Well, the two men are absolutely diametrically opposed in the way they approach creativity. Because, Well, this is really what the play's about, actually. Because... Um, uh, Rambo only wrote poetry until he, he gave up poetry at the age of 19, having revolutionised French literature. He was an enfant terrible, he, he behaved absolutely appallingly in those years. Uh, he was like a tornado sweeping through civil French society. Um, he was an absolute monster as a human being, treated all his friends appallingly, had sex with everyone possible, just did all sorts of awful things. Um, and he had this he had this vision that that you had to experience every sensation at its limit. You had to take every drug going, to take every form of sexual practice known to man, 
and a few he probably invented, that you just had to push everything to its limits. Whereas Britain, at a similar age, was very conservative, and he, uh, he, he had to feel his way in gradually into, into, well, into his sexuality and into the whole panoply of um, life's experiences. And W.H. Auden, who is also a character in the play, was important in that part of his, if you like, journey. And the journeying thing also comes up, I, there's a literal side to that, which is um, Britain wrote some of Les Illuminations, um, when he was either on the way to or in America during the war. And uh, Rambo wrote, um, as well, we don't exactly know what he wrote when, but it seems that Rambo wrote a lot of these prose poems when he was in London. So there's a sense of, of displacement, of exile going on here, and I wanted to express some parallels, but also the central difference that you have one rather cautious young man feeling his way into creativity and another who threw paint at everything and then watched to see where it all fell down and then gave it all up <laughs> when he was younger than any of the kids taking part in our show, amazingly. And the way this production and other shows you've written means that um, we should say it's singers and pianists who are primarily making up the cast and they're doing something quite different from what what they would usually do in a standard opera or a recital. Oh, they? totally. And... and um, quite a lot of them are doing things that they never dreamt they'd be asked to do uh, when they signed up to come to the Guildhall School of Music and Drama, uh, particularly the pianists who are still slightly numb with shock, I think, at what's <laughs> expected of them. But the other thing we should point out in another big difference between here and the college is that we have um, two acting graduates, recent acting graduates, Stefan Donnelly and Papa Eswide, are uh, joining us to play two key roles and so that's also a big inspiration for our cast to have, uh, you know, professional actors, young professional and very wonderful actors. Uh, so that gives a whole level of inspiration and we hope osmosis that goes on in the rehearsal room. Yes, it, um, just thinking about the kind of different skills that the musicians will perhaps be totally. taking from this. And do you think it allows them to explore different ways of working with the actors and also definitely. separately as well? No, definitely. And and as I say, I don't, it's not always it's not always easy for them and. The singers don't get to sing that much. It's not a particularly singy show. And in some cases, it seems rather wasteful. We've got, for example, Roisin Walsh, who's uh, on the opera course. No, she's post-opera course. She's on, she's on that sort of level of Mount Olympus that's beyond the opera course. Uh, she, she has a small but very important role. She doesn't sing a note in the show. It's a bit of a waste, but it's the way the cookie has crumbled and the way the show's panned out, because we've got a cast of nearly 30, so not everyone has vocal glory. But it's very good for them too, and I think I hope it gives them insight and skills which they can apply to their more, more mainstream operatic repertoire. And for the actors, is it's presumably quite unusual for them to work on a piece which has so much musical content totally. and working alongside a cast where so many people are not kind of seasoned actors, particularly. Indeed, it's a challenge for them, but they're both such great guys and they're incredibly collaborative. And uh, in fact, this morning one of them took the warm up physical warm-up, um, and playing these various games, and the, the singing students were whooping with laughter. They did a great time. And I was busy talking to our movement director. I missed all the fun. But, uh, there's a lot of laughter going on there, too. And this production is the second show of the term that takes place in Milton Court Theatre. Um, so, um, brand new space. Yes. Uh, and what are you looking forward to about working in there? Because you're not rehearsing in there yet, are you? No, we're not in yet. Um, but, of course, we had a good look at it. It looks absolutely marvellous. Um, well, we get very uh, well. Apart from the fact that it is a lovely space to be in, and a space which I think will suit this sort of project very well, because it's quite intimate. Uh, this isn't really a piece that would work in, you know, the old Vic. It's not that kind of show, but I think it'll fit beautifully 
the, the, the dimensions of the Milton Court. Um, to the honest answer to that is I'm looking forward to using some of the gadgetry available. So we're flying something in for the first time. We're going to drop a bit of propage down, and I think we're going to have uh, various steam effects. And uh, so it's just a whole new... Uh, train set to play with. There's a lot Literally, of, there's a lot of high-level kit in there. Exactly, isn't there? Yeah. and so we're going to we to be playing with some of it, which is huge fun. So yes, I've got a slightly kind of teenage excitement at, at having new toys to play with. And have you, does that mean you've had to design the show any differently from from the college to work in this different space? Um, no, it's the, it's the same essential design. There's some new props and some new. Um, there are some different scenes. So there's some um, different. Uh, different accessories and props um, but the essential the look of the show will remain the same we've got a beautiful set done by Giuseppe Belli which will fit the theatre and um, I, I hope look very handsome in there and you mentioned um, finally that you um, made some changes following um, the Royal College do you think there's what can audience expect this time around will it be a slightly different experience especially with actors involved um, well I think it's a better balanced show now there's more music in it uh, there is no less exploration of Rambo, um, uh, but there's a bit more exploration of Britain and Auden. We flesh that out a bit. Uh, it's presented in a slightly different way because of it being single cast. And so I hope it's clearer because we do quite a lot of time travelling. There are three different time periods in it and we dis- in- intentionally blur that from time to time. So there's quite a lot of kind of Doctor Who stuff going on. Um, we should also point out it's quite rude. Rambo did many dreadful things, and some of them are portrayed on stage. And uh, there is strong language. The, all the usual kind of uh, Channel 4 disclaimers have to be made about this. It's not for people of a nervous disposition, and anyone who's offended by the odd uh, graphic description, it might be best watching EastEnders that night. So uh, we've said 16 and over, and I think that's probably about right. But listen, the the gross stuff, there is a little gross stuff on stage, but it's historically accurate and uh, meticulously researched and uh, I don't want to put anyone off. I hope that, on the contrary, would draw people in, really. <laughs> That's a good note to end on. Thank you so much for talking to us today, Ian. We're very much looking forward to Journeying Boys, which opens in the new Milton Court Theatre on 8th of November. Tickets available from the Bobkin box office now. Thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure. <laughs>